Interface is a proud sponsor of the How to Specify podcast, teaching the importance of sustainability in design. Interface set out on their sustainability journey back in 1994. Yes, 94. And since then, they've been leading the way in sustainable manufacturing and product design. From thoughtfully designed carpet tiles and LVT to durable Nora rubber flooring, Interface makes carbon neutral products that make an impact on people's lives, their spaces, and the planet. Lower your carbon footprint with one positive step. Visit interface.com today to learn more about their carbon neutral floors. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the I Hear Design podcast. I'm your host, Robert Nieminen, and I'm glad you're joining us for this episode because we're continuing our How to Specify series that we started earlier this year, uh, which is being brought to you by our friends at Interface. So today we're going to be looking at the ins and outs of specifying carpet, uh, which might seem pretty straightforward on the surface, but as I learned by delving into our How to Specify article in the July-August issue, uh, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. One of the things I've always admired about the carpet industry as a whole is that it really has been a pioneer in terms of advancing sustainability. And there are so many different examples of manufacturers I could point to uh, who have led the way through innovation and transforming their businesses to reduce their impact on the environment and act as responsible corporate citizens. And we'll definitely talk about sustainable design a bit later in the podcast, uh, as well as the health and wellness angle that's uh, been on everyone's minds these days. But before we jump too far ahead, I think we should start with some of the basics of carpet construction and the dyeing process, for example, just to give uh, you listeners a quick refresher on what to look for at the outset when you're specifying carpet products. And to help guide us through the process, I've invited Bruce Campos, Vice President of Business Development for Starnet Worldwide Commercial Flooring Partnership to join me today. So Bruce, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, our July-August issue of Interiors and Sources featured an article um, that you penned for the issue for our How to Specify series. And in, in the intro, I thought it was interesting you relate a story of a client who compared selecting carpet with uh, choosing a diamond, which I thought was really interesting, um, if not kind of an unusual comparison. So could you explain that uh, analogy for our, li- our listeners just to kick things off? Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, you're correct. The specifying carpet can be complex. Um, and, you know, but a little bit of knowledge and some common seg- sense can go a long way. Um, so like the diamond reference that you mentioned, those four key aspects of, of a diamond are cut, clarity, color, and carat weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, all four need to be considered. In, in carpet, it's very similar. Uh, you've got to look past the color to find the intrinsic performance beauty of the carpet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of beautiful products out there from various manufacturers. Finding the right construction aspects will provide installation and a happy customer for years after the installation. Right, right. Well, that's great. I want to get into some of those details um, for sure, um, because like, as you mentioned, it it does underscore the idea that that, uh, carpet specification is anything but simple. So kind of from a broader perspective, um, as a designer starts the specification process, um, what would you say are some of the major considerations they need to take into account um, at the outset of a project um, as they're looking at carpet? Well, the main considerations really are the site conditions. Uh, First, you need to understand completely, you know, how is the product going to be used? Uh, What are the main uh, traffic conditions, the soiling conditions that are around? All of those things need to be considered before uh, you put a product in. Uh, For instance, you you may choose 
a, a gorgeous product to be put in on the 15th floor of a building, um, that product may not perform adequately on the first floor of a building off of, you know, coming in from a garage or something along those lines. Right. Right. So you, you've really got to consider the site conditions and consider um, all of the other aspects that are happening on the project. Right. Yeah. So that application and, and what's going to be happening is, is makes the, the big difference as far as starting points goes. Right. Correct. Yeah. So um, to me, at least, um, and I've been, I've toured through several carpet mills before. And for me, one of the more mystifying as aspects of carpet construction has to do with yarn and fiber, um, knowing the major differences between them. And like, for example, nylon six over six, six, can you talk about that a little bit and sort of break down, you know, what the basics of carpet construction are for uh, the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, it, it's funny that you mentioned uh, walking through a carpet mill and seeing the extrusion of fiber. Um, I always love going to the facilities to go and see that. Um, fiber extrusion is a fascinating process and, and uh, quite involved. It, when you take a look at fiber coming out of a spinneret, which is essentially a shower head and, and seeing that fall three to four stories and, and the, the entire construction process, it's, it's a fascinating thing. And I would recommend anybody to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, I would also say though, that, you know, in fiber, uh, you have different types. So you have the solution dyed uh, versus piece dyed or yarn dyed. Uh, so solution dyeing is the process of adding pigment in the molten state of the carpet. Uh, when the fiber is extruded, the color is an integral part of the fiber. Um, so if you were to look at the, the cross section of the fiber, the color goes all the way through, making it extremely color fast and resistant to harsh chemicals and even sunlight. The limitation with solution dyed is the availability of colors. Uh, every yarn manufacturer has a preset solution dyed color bank, and those vary anywhere from 90 to 130 colors. Uh, and they mix those or spin them together in order to achieve the, the desired color combination. But with yarn dyed or piece dyed, the color, the yarn is, ex or the fiber is extruded white, uh, and the color is added after the fact. Mm -hmm. um, so it's on the outside of the fiber. Uh, the benefit here really on piece dyeing is that um, you have your color choice is almost unlimited uh, to the point that they can match yarn to a paint chip or even a Pantone color exactly. Hmm. Um, and, and from there, now you have digital printing uh, and digital printing has become a lot more popular in recent years, um, mostly because of the advancements in technology. The, the, um, now the the pinpoint accuracy of of dye of digital printing has advanced so dramatically that you can actually put a photograph uh you could print a photograph of a person's face on a carpet if you wow. so chose right. uh the accuracy is incredible and so that really opens up a designer's you know creativity and and availability to do anything that that they want to do on a project. Right, right. Yeah, so it sounds like the the printed is obviously you have a certain design concept and that you can't execute with traditional. When would a designer want to, let's say, do yarn dyed versus piece dyed or solution dyed? Like, like in what kind of applications would it make the most sense? Or um, it, does it really just depend on what type of color they want um, to, to get out of the out of the carpet? You know what I mean? Yeah, solution dyed is going to be, um, like I said, it, it'll give you a lot more color fastness so uh, that's many people's first choice. Okay. With yarn dyeing or piece dyeing, 
um, you know, the benefit there is not, uh, not just the color, uh, but you also have the availability to space dye, which puts different colors along the length of the yarn. So okay. you could have a, a, a single yarn that is yellow in one section, six inches, then the next six inches is red and the next six inches is blue. Why you would have that color combination, I have no idea, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is potentially possible that to do right. that. And it creates a lot of different patterns and a lot of uh, options. Uh, for skein dyeing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. I appreciate you clarifying that. So as I mentioned in the, in the introduction, you know, the carpet industry really has led, led the way in terms of sustainability um, and advancing uh, the, the sustainable design movement. What do you see is that's happening right now in terms of innovation, as far as env environmentally friendly carpet manufacturing, like can designers really sort of trust manufacturer claims, that, you know, that are pretty well founded or do they need to look you know, to additional outside sources like third-party certifications to kind of verify those. Yeah, I agree with you that, that you know, the carpet industry has really stepped up when it comes to environmental standards. And, and I don't believe that, um, you know, anyone is, is sidestepping those, uh, quite honestly. I think that every one of them has their own little program that has uh, really advanced their environmental standards to, to their capabilities. But I would still encourage uh, designers to to reference the environmental protections declarations, the EPDs, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, as you know, is an internal standard that reports the environmental impact of a product through its life cycle. Sure. Um, or HPDs or health product declarations, which is a report on the ingredients of the building product right. uh, with its associated impact on health. Um, LEED, of course, uh, most everybody is familiar with. It's the most widely used system out there and uh, where each project contributes to the whole project uh, mm -hmm. to achieve different level, levels of certification. Right. And then a uh, little less known is NSF 140 uh, sustainability assessment. Um, it's a set of life cycle assessment principles written by a board uh, consisting of, of different aspects of the industry from manufacturers to customers, regulatory agencies, end users and academics. Uh, and I'm proud to say that I'm one of those contributors. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it does sound like, a, you know, just that mix of, of different potential sources can really help designers identify the most sustainable product for their, for their projects based on the need. Well, you know, another topic that's related to sustainability these days that we're hearing a lot more of is a connection to wellness and, you know, occupant health. So especially in light of the pandemic right now, I guess the question that, that would be on my mind and maybe some, some of our listeners out there too is, you know, should designers be concerned about specifying soft surface materials like carpet? Um, because, you know, it seems like everybody's going to hard surface because they're, you know, cleanable or whatever. But, um, you know, how well can carpet actually be cleaned to, to help, you know, ensure that occupants uh, stay healthy? Yeah, this is a very hot topic today, obviously, and it can be uh, easily misunderstood. Right. Um, the one thing that the pandemic has taught us is that shiny is not necessarily clean or healthy for that matter. Uh, cleaning and sanitizing is a process of killing or removing the harmful germs, and there's a proper way to do that for both hard surface and soft surface products. Right. Um, my recommendation would be to get a professional floor care contractor to sanitize because they can do either product or both products properly. Right. Um, now, as far as reducing transmission, uh, carpet has an advantage over hard surface because studies have shown that germs are held down to a level below 36 inches, mm -hmm. uh, which is often below door handles and faces. So 
those those germs are not flying up in the room, uh, whereas on hard surface, there's nothing to hold it down. Right, so, so they're getting so trapped those, in the fiber. Those, those germs fly around the room more readily. Right, right. Yeah, that's really interesting, and that's a good point. I'm not sure you know that, that many would think that, but yeah, you're right. If, if they stay trapped in the fibers, then there's less chance of them to escape and spread. Exactly, and then when it's time to sanitize again, because things are only clean as long as nobody touches them, mm-hmm. um, then you go back in and sanitize it again, and everything is kept down. Sure, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So, and then also speaking of the pandemic, I mean, just kind of overall, like how has the carpet industry been been impacted? I mean, do you anticipate, you know, any kind of a change in the amount of carpet that's going to be specified uh, moving forward? Or is this still going to be, you know, one of those workhorse uh, categories for commercial uh, building projects? You know, while we're seeing a bit of an increase in hard surface specifications right now, I don't believe it's due to the pandemic. Um, we've seen a surge in LVT over recent years that I'm sure that's going to continue for some time. Right. Uh, but I believe carpet will see a surge again when all the benefits that we just discussed a minute ago are, are you know, realized. Yep. Um, in reality, every product, whether it's hard surface or soft surface, can be cleaned and will stay that way until the virus comes in contact with the product. So neither surface is immune to the virus and both products can be sanitized. Um, so uh, it's really about picking the right product for the right project. Yeah, absolutely. No, those are some great insights, Bruce. So I, I thank you for sharing them with our listeners. I appreciate it. Well, I think definitely with all the uncertainty that's going around um, with COVID, I know there is a lot of misinformation out there and potential for people to make um, specification decisions, you know, based on assumptions and not facts. So yeah, it's great to, that you're here to offer some guidance for listeners. So that's, that's based on something other than misinformation. Well, thanks for being here, Bruce. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. Definitely. Well, um, that is all the time we have for today. I want to extend another big thanks to our sponsor, Interface, who's made our How to Specify series possible. Um, If you get a chance, please do visit their website at interface.com and find out what they're doing to combat climate change specifically. And thanks for tuning in. And as always, be well, everyone.